You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Dose of Death. As always, I'm Lauren Rosenberg. Thank you each and every single week for listening to this podcast. And before we proceed, as always, I want to give a shout out to my sponsors, Grateful Deathmatch and Crimson Mask. Um, as always, the promo code of DEATH for Grateful Deathmatch works. And the promo code of YDOD does have the discount of 30% off for the Duke of Hardcore bundle for Crimson Mask. Um, also, before I start this episode, um, yes, there is no guest this week, but do understand um, that we are going to be taking a bit of a different direction with your dose of death. Um, not anything's going to change per se on the content, but more per se the release schedule. Um, been talking to Ryan and Mikey, and um, I feel what is best for me right now will be going back to a biweekly schedule. Just because um, getting guests is hard as is, and just my recording schedule is not as um, convenient. Um, life has been getting a little bit busier for me, just um, traveling as well as just after getting the COVID, my COVID shots, I've realized that life has kind of jump-started again for me. I know we are still in a pandemic, so I'm taking all responsible measures but just know that i am out and about more um being fully vaccinated so um recording is not at a premium as it used to be near the beginning of the pandemic so that being said we are going to be doing bi-weekly episodes that doesn't mean the gas is going to be let off anytime soon i still have some great content for you guys um one and i have some great guests lined up in the very near future, I, I hope you guys are just as excited still. Continue the excitement and passion for your dose of death. Um, without you guys, this um, podcast would not even be a reality. So this episode, as you kind of see, is a review of the FMW Dark Side of the Ring episode that happened just a week from this recording. And... Um, this is something I've always wanted to do, just kind of do a review of wrestling-related content, especially um, this episode itself. You, you couldn't have come at a better time, especially with um, the appearance of FMWE happening, and especially making their historical trip to the United States for the FMWE H2O collaborative show Destiny. Um, there really is a lot to unpack in this episode. And um, I've always wanted to do a review, um, something I've always wanted to do. But this episode, definitely, I know there is some skepticism as to why they were a Dark Side of the Ring episode. But there definitely was some reason as to why this was on um, Dark Side of the Ring. Of course, I mean, the legendary Atsushi Onita um, is a legend himself. I know Dark Side of the Ring definitely has um, has... A newfound appreciation, I would say, of deathmatch wrestling. And I think you can't really go talking about deathmatch wrestling without the likes of Onita 
and without the likes of Terry Funk. And of course, I mean, we start off in the beginning with Onita working in Amarillo, Texas, becoming best friends with Terry Funk, and then um, working the likes of the infamous Memphis bar fights as well, and just the whole idea that Onita went from a all a all around high flyer in all Japan wrestling to becoming this hardcore guy and becoming the uh, man who would start FMW, which um, I think it was definitely interesting to see that beginning. I knew a bit about that beginning, of course. Many people knew Onita's infamous run in the states where that um, bar fight happened. But uh, many people didn't know that was the start of FMW. Um, FMW really, if you if you want to think of like a promotion in today's modern society that really feels a lot like a FMW, a GCW would come to mind or an H2O, which is um, almost fitting that H2O will be the one to welcome FMWE the E being explosion to the United States later this year, but that's not part of the topic just yet. But FMW really had a bit of everything. And of course their big um, claim to fame was the exploding barbed wire death matches that would happen. Of course um, the matches with Onita, with Mr. Pogo, um, Ricky Fuji being a part of it. Um, it was, it was very exciting for me to see Ricky Fuji, the the Japanese legend be a part of this in a lot of ways, and of course you saw um, Mick Foley have a lot to say, um, and um, I think one part that I think kind of goes under the radar, and I think a part that really should have been talked more was the historic first um, woman's exploding barbed wire match with um, the retiring Combat Toyota. Passing the torch on to the one and only Megumi Kudo. Um, and inc- to me, one of the greatest women's matches you'll ever see. Megumi Kudo truly personified FMW's passion. If you were looking for an athlete other than Onita to carry the torch, I think there should have been more priority to Megumi Kudo. And the desire she had to be as legendary as she did. I mean, the fireball incident... Um, causing her clothes to burn. Oh, what? As um, of course, speaking about stars of FMW, a guy who um, got his start there was Sabu, and of course, Sabu was brought in by his uncle, the Sheik, and they go into the infamous flaming barbed wire match where um, he was cut very badly, and they go to the hospital, Sheik. 60% of his body was burned. It was one of the more embarrassing uh, moments, as Onita put it, in his career. But still, nonetheless, such a crazy idea that Onita had that just didn't go well. But the whole idea of Onita being the one that wanted to bring something new to the table and something that would benefit him and the promotion. You really can't go without talking about um, everything that Onita poured into FMW. Um, it, it is the flaming barbed wire match, though, may have put a hindered a bit, but the FMW really felt like the third, if not the second best Japanese promotion at the time. Of course, 
you're talking about Antonio Inoki's New Japan. You're talking about Giant Baba and All Japan. And then there's FMW, who really became the third edgy promotion. And it's interesting talking about FMW right now, just with um, Onita's newfounded love again for wrestling. I mean, he, he's the he's the Japanese Terry Funk in so many ways, who may retire in and out, but his love of professional wrestling never has died, per se. But of course, um, the reason that this was in dark side of the ring was um the the ineptitude to pay wrestlers correctly and on time um and he would always and onita would always brag about how much he made during fmw's peak i mean he was the boss but um he would always brag about being making two million dollars per year while the rest of the talent really um didn't really make that much, and I think that's definitely um, the equivalent of what you'd see in the carny side of the business. But that being said, this is um, this is Onita we're talking about. It wouldn't come without some controversy. Of course, the whole idea that the Yakuza was behind FMW was something I didn't know, and I think it's almost funny. You could almost make an entire movie out of the Yakuza's influence in Japanese culture. But at the same time, you wouldn't um, get a lot of people to disclose that because, well, it's the Yakuza. They still do have a powerful influence on the Japanese culture and Japanese media. And they controlled the arenas. They controlled the shows um, that happened. Um, Sabu and his infamous confrontation with the Yakuza and Mike Awesome had to save him rest in peace mike awesome it's still a crazy moment to think about um all over sabu and another wrestler getting into the crowd and the yakuza not understanding that this has happened and they're usually informed to go away from where the talent is if the action comes your way and if this happened in america today it would cause a lot of uproar but in Japan, the Yakuza did seem to control everything with FMW. And I think that's a terrifying moment that um, was I'm glad was spotlighted. Because FMW was not all sunshine and daisies, no matter how many stars walked through the door. And of course, we can't talk about FMW without Terry Funk's first appearance at, a, um, at Yokohama Stadium. Of course, um, I would like to give a um, shout-out to Brett, or many of you know him on YouTube, Bahu FMW, who is the true walking encyclopedia of all things FMW, who was part of um, the Dark Side of the Ring team for this episode. Who, And if you haven't seen the playlist that Brett put out with Dark Side of the Ring of the top matches in FMW, definitely recommend that for those of you who are new or just love your love for deathmatch or hardcore wrestling um is needing a little bit of a recharge i would say but funk and onita truly was um probably the my favorite match in fmw history um it's it's the one match everyone loves because it was true storytelling onita winning the match but then rushing back into the ring to save his friend from the ultimate explosion. It was it was the move that fans wanted to see. It was the move that 
was like, oh my god, this is this exploding ball ring. And um, it, it felt like the perfect move, and I, I think the whole um, idea of him saving him, it really definitely... It, it, if you've watched the AEW exploding bar, or the barbed wire exploding barbed wire match, it definitely there were some parts of the Onita Funk match that um, felt that were heavily influenced, like Eddie Kingston saving his friend John Moxley. That at the end of that match, I felt very. And of course, the different result played out, but there was some heavy heavy influence from Onita and Funk. But of course, um, after that match, um, in 94, Onita considered or did have his first retirement in act, and wanted to act. And it was just after a year, um, not after 94, and of course, um, fittingly, I was born in 1995, so this feels all weird to talk about history that happened before I was even born. Sochi Arai, the ring announcer, took over for FMW when Onita retired, and the promotion itself very much um, went on a downward spiral. Um, it was very interesting to hear from Sochi Arai's daughter in this. I think that's definitely added an angle that I didn't really expect to hear from. And of course, um, the, the at this time with Onita retiring, Hayabusa who, in my mind, truly was one of the most underrated high flyers wrestlers of all time. Um, I, I, I told a friend a few days ago that without Hayabusa, many of the high flyers you see would not be where they are or would take a few extra years to um, understand high-flying wrestling for people. But, of course, Onita and Hayabusa had their wars. And... Um, of course, Hayabusa nearly got injured. It wasn't a match. But then after the this, the exploding cage match, um, Hiromichi, or Hiromichi Fuyuki was brought in with um, Arai to um, change the direction of FMW. So no death matches. No exploding barbed wire, more entertainment, so kind of WWE sports entertainment like. And um, Onita was eventually asked to quit because they didn't align. They, their their creative differences definitely um, was something that FMW didn't want, which was really unfortunate because it's Onita. This was his company that he created. This is this was his brainchild. Um, imagine if like. Tony Khan was asked to leave AEW or Brett Lauderdale was asked to leave GCW. That's the, that's the kind of comparisons I can make to being asked to the creator to leave your own company. It's just, it's unthinkable, but it did happen. And um, FMW continued on in, in 2001. Um, of course, the tragedy that befouled FMW. Hayabusa um, slipped off performing a moonsault and became paralyzed. Um, he landed on his forehead, and um, the rest is history. Hayabusa, unfortunately, couldn't continue. And um, then that's where really things started to um, go on a downward spiral. Of course, Arai tried to borrow money from the loan sharks, Yakuza, and um, he eventually killed himself. 
And then, um, which is, I did not know that. That was kind of one whole of the story that I think is terrifying to think about. And, of course, the debt he left behind his family um, was so insurmountable that the house was taken from them. So um, definitely a nightmarish situation for the Arai family who already was divorced. Um, and Sochi Harai leaves behind a legacy, a very tarnished legacy of he will always be forever known as the man who took Onita's company and turned it into a downward spiral, a nightmare per se. Um, of course, FMW did try to come back in 2015. Um, Hayabusa came back as executive producer. Um, he did, was able to stand up um, at the first FMW show, was walked to the ring. Um, I know there was a clip, um, as I record this, this is the 10-year anniversary, or actually the 6-7 year anniversary of um, that event happening. Um, actually, I'm not too sure on the dates, I do, so you can abstract that, but um, in 2015, Hayabusa uh, walked the last few steps of the ring. It was one of the most emotional moments in FMW history. I think this made the news re- worldwide in wrestling and incredible. And then a year later, um, he passed away at the age of 47 after collapsing in his home. I think it was very interesting to have Sabu be the one to close this episode talking about his experience and how basically without FMW there would be no ECW and Onita um, has basically he created this monopoly that was great for a few years but then it lost its luster and it tried to come back and it's to this day FMWE is trying to make um, newfound fans who may have watch this episode or are curious about the success of FMWE and I think the time as I said before in the beginning the timing of this episode could have not come at a better time with FMWE announcing a trip to the United States and of course the main event um Matt the for twice in a lifetime as I've coined it Matt Tremont making his return to professional wrestling a, more than a year or actually the 31st will have been an entire, just over a year since he retired from professional wrestling to face Onita, his his rival. The CZW once-in-a-lifetime match was built around the two of them. And to really have a one-on-one, double-hell-exploding, barbed-wire death match that will be something that many American fans have not seen before. Because... There's going to be a lot of fans who are curious about Onita and what he's been up to. And, I mean, there's a lot of fans who are maybe new Deathmatch Wrestling fans who want to understand the genre a little bit better and want to understand Onita's um, – his, his, um, this is his brainchild. FMWE is another attempt to bring back the joy that once was FMW. It's, and I will say from personal experience – I've watched a few of the matches in FMWE, and it's it's not like the athletic competitions you're going to see in the original FMW. But it's just it's really cool to see exploding barbed wire death matches be done again, and for Onita to be the one to doing them. He this was his he was the one who originized it. He was the innovator. He was the man 
who made this all happen. And so for him to come to the United States and bring his entire crew, as he has tweeted out, not a single screw from America will be used for this match. It'll be his entire vision. It is an incredible feat in itself. And of course, I mean, Matt Trima, the a former Yordosa a, a Death alumni, a man who I hold in such high regard, is going to be doing this match. And um, he, he is the perfect dance partner for Onita. This is a one-on-one we've, we've really have all been waiting for. And you really can't ask for anything better to happen Halloween weekend in Trenton, New Jersey, the Trenton um, Baseball Arena, Baseball Stadium. Um, I, the ticket sales I've heard are very good and very profitable. It, it's going to be a very profitable show, and it will be streamed live on IWTV. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be very attentive to this show, and there's a lot to look forward to. If you've seen the match card um, so far, they're going to be having a Memorial Battle Royal. They're going to be having a historic 12-man tag war as well as a the first all-female defense of the H2O Hybrid Championship with... Um, Kennedy Copeland. Um, so I do. So that brings me to another point. My next guest in the next week or so um, is going to be none other than the H2O Hybrid Champion Kennedy Copeland, and we will be talking about that historic defense versus Casey Cattall, Mickey Knuckles, and several other women who are going to be in that match. And it, it, I believe it will be the first ever all female. Um five-way match for the H2O Hybrid Championship. So we'll be talking about history and being a part of that show. So you guys heard it here first. Kennedy Copeland will be on Your Dose of Death podcast talking about that, but as well as other things. So stay tuned for that episode coming up in the near future. But this is a a show that for many of you that are curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling or curious about Onita's Influence. This is a show that's it's going to feel like a little bit of a love letter to FMW because without FMW, there is no Onita. Without Onita, there is no FMW. So, and I think Dark Side of the Ring really encapsulated that yes, this was a very influential promotion, but also that there were tragedies with it from Arise, Lone Shark incidents to him tragically killing himself to the Yakuza heavily influencing arenas that FMW would run in. There, As much as there were highs to FMW, there were lows. And they were very, very low-to-the-floor lows. So it's an incredibly sad story as well as an incredibly uplifting. There were, as I said, there were highs and lows. This is um, a grave reminder that the wrestling business is not everything it seems, but also FMW, we should applaud them for the innovations they've brought to the table. So to leave on that note, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this little review of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, um, And I enjoyed this episode. If you guys want to tweet at me and give me your thoughts on the um, FMW Dark Side of the Ring episode... Um, Feel free to tweet at me, at Lauren Y-D-O-D. That's at L-O-R-E-N-Y-D-O-D. But um, give me your thoughts and give me your takes on FMW, FMWE. 
um, the Destiny show. Just give me your thoughts on all of that. I'd love to hear from you guys, and I'd love to hear how you thought about this review episode. So, again, thank you for listening to this. This was um, something I've always wanted to do. And for those of you who have listened to me since day one, thank you. And those of you who are new, welcome. And, and those of you all in between, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Your Dose of Death. Lauren Rosenberg, signing off. This has been a Countout Podcast.